The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the world's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Keep listening for details on an amazing special offer to adopt your Tribble. And to find out more, go to sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Genetics Lab at Podfleet Command, which is deep, deep down in, in the sub-basement of the sub-basement. I mean, it's buried under there, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing I found this place, but yet here I am. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant and the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith, and we are excited to have you f- here for episode number 236 um, it's, it's amazing to think that we are still doing this after all this time, but you all keep listening. So we're still here. So really it's on you, quite honestly. <laughs> um, and of course that, that laughter you heard is my co-host. He is a genetic experiment gone massively wrong. He is the opposite of genetic engineering. He's, um, genetic de-engineering and what a failure he is. He is the non augmented Dan Davidson and Dan, Welcome aboard, buddy. We speak English here. Yes, but I am here because it's what I wish to do. Not really. I'm forced to it. I really have no desire to be here with you. (laughs) It was a court-ordered settlement. Exactly. No, it's great to be here. 236. Wow. Um, Yeah, every week we we just keep talking and blathering on, and we love what we do, and we're having a good time doing it. And for some reason, people like to hear us. It's like it's like chalkboard nails and and decalcification of the spinal column but hey it's what they want so here we are we're gonna have a good discussion today too man we give the people what they want Hmm. and what they want dan is some great discussion about uh a great mini arc in star trek enterprise this week absolutely and and we've said this so many times when we've decided what we're going to talk about i can't believe it's taken us this long to get to this topic um of course mini arcs are are something that we started seeing in star trek a, a while back and this was really the first mini arc that showed up um in enterprise now people might say that the zindi arc might have been one but that was a big arc that wasn't a mini arc so we're going to talk about uh this three part uh a three episode uh arc that took place in season four of enterprise and that's uh the arc about the augments 
and the genetically engineered supermen. Uh, and I got to tell you, this was awesome. It really yeah. was. It, it, I haven't watched this since 2004 when it originally aired. And yeah. I went back to watch it this time, and there was so much about it that I forgot. Yep. Um, I, I, this is something that I, I will watch now again over and over just because it's that good. So um, I love finding what's not New Trek, but really feels like New Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and your memory is just as bad as mine. So if you watch it again tomorrow after watching it the other day, it'd probably be new to you anyway. I'm sorry, who are no? you? What? New yeah. phone, who dis? <laughs> exactly. Well, Dan, speaking of who dis, there's a whole bunch of people out there who I'm sure would love to get in touch with us and provide their feedback on the Augments arc or your grading voice or really any one of a number of different topics. How might they do that, mon frere? Well, you know, people discover the podcast every day, and we'd love to hear from you. And this is how you can do it. First, you know, you want to fire up that interwebs browser thingy of yours and, and head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact. Now, from there, you can send us an email. You can leave us a voicemail. You can chat us up. You can tweet at us. All kinds of methods to get us your comments, your feedback, your suggestions. And believe me, we definitely want to hear what you have to say. Plus, check out the official Facebook group of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network on Facebook. It's Camp Kittimer. It's the most positive Trek group on the Book of Faces where there's no trolling, no gatekeeping, and only people celebrating what they love about Trek. So open up Facebook on your computer or even the app and search for Camp Kittimer and be ready to be part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Dan, and Fark for the amazing job they do running the camp. Also, please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode, Bill. You can't say Hadiniac, but you can make it through the fast copy at the end of the contact info every week. <laughs> that, that's, that's all, all you got. got. That's all I got. You're speaking in clicks. What are you, a dolphin now? <laughs> <laughs> Dan, as always, we want to thank our wonderful friends over at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Each and every day, they are hard at work to get new pins created to release on the 1st and the 15th of every month. And of course, we love it when new Star Trek pins become available. Yeah, right you are, man. And hey, guess what? As I look at the calendar, I see that November 1st is right around the corner. So you know what that means, buddy. Biscuits? No. Pie. No, no, well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, because, you know, there's always room for pie. Uh, but right now, I mean, the latest Star Trek pin will be available on November 1st. And this is one that I've been waiting for all year. You know that Fansets had their special Women of Trek collector set come out last year at STLV, and they've been adding new pins to that collection ever since. Well, as Discovery Season 3 is now officially being streamed, it seems only fitting that Sylvia Tilly the Women of Trek pin is going to be available on November 1st. And as you might expect, it is simply gorgeous, just like her. And of course, you can be part of the Star Trek Delta collection over at fansets.com. They are taking the Trek Delta world by storm and will have all kinds of new Deltas coming out in the coming months. Each Delta that's released will have three versions, the full-size pin, the full-size magnetic back pin, and the mini version badge. And for more details, check out their monthly blog over at fansets.com. 
Awesome news as always, Dan. So listeners, do yourself a huge favor. Go on over to fansets.com. When you get there, check out that blog for details on the Trek Delta program, and then go put a whole lot of pins and accessories and even gift certificates into your cart. Because when you spend more than 30 bucks, you're automatically going to get free shipping in the U.S. And then on top of that, for 15% off your entire order, use the special Trek Geeks discount code for this week, SOONG. That's S-O-O-N-G in all capital letters. This discount code will be available to use from now until Wednesday, October 28th, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Dan, you know what else has a lot of character? Besides you? Uh, besides me. Yeah. Um, this arc from Star Trek Enterprise. Um, the Augments arc originally broadcast in 2004 in three episodes. Um, it, it really did a great job of breathing life into season four of Enterprise, didn't it? It, it really did. I guess you could say it's a character. Because <laughs> character. Anyway, you're um, fired. I'm, I'm getting my farkisms ready to oh, go uh, for later on in the show, so it might be a surprise in here this week. By the way, absolutely though, you're you're 100 correct. Um, this one first came out in 2004, and like we talked about earlier, it was the first mini arc of Enterprise, and it really makes me so frustrated that season four had so many great moments when we knew it was going to be canceled after the fourth season because it really shined in that final season except maybe for the finale, but that's neither here nor there. Well, no, it's shine. It just wasn't a great finale. <laughs> exactly. Because it's yeah. a great episode of Star Trek. It is a great episode, yeah. It's just a lot of people have always been like, oh, it's just another TNG episode, but but that's neither here nor there. To, to see this arc in season four was really, really something. Great special guests, great storyline, suspense, drama. It was awesome. You know, the thing that gets me is that, you know, after season three, we knew the show was almost canceled. Mm -hmm. It came back for a fourth season. They made this fundamental change to introduce some mini arcs into season four. And I thought it did some really good long form storytelling without taking up an entire season like the Zindi arc did. Right. I think a lot of fans feel the Zindi arc dragged on far too long. And I think in hindsight, it did. Yeah, Dan's raising his hand. You can't see yeah. it. But um, <laughs> I, I think it did. While there's some really great storytelling in the Zindi arc, the mini arcs like the Augments and like the, the Vulcan arc, Mm -hmm. allowed them to be far more targeted with the character growth and the and the uh, the the events of the episode and i think that's really why these succeeded in season 4 absolutely i mean look at the vulcan's forge arc like you mentioned we got to see tapau which was which just was amazing in itself and we got some great history into the vulcans and then there was the mirror universe two parter they really did a great job with bringing these mini arcs together and in a way that that made enterprise really shine that I don't think people appreciated at the time, but but man, they sure do now, I think. Oh, I think so. I think it was a great decision to let Manny Cotto go ahead and, and introduce these types of arcs. He was the showrunner at that point. And um, it's, this one in particular was a great way to tie a different era of Star Trek back to this era of Star Trek. This is an this is an area of uh, you know we always talk about some people might have a problem with these prequel shows because of the retcon but I gotta say that the retcon in this arc really really makes sense when you tie it together with TOS and Space Seed and then later on with Star Trek Two and then when you think about it way later on in Deep Space Nine oh absolutely it um I thought it was a great way to add substance to this topic. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we get only so much with Khan. 
We know he was a genetically enhanced Superman. You know, we know he had five times your strength. Very um, nice. I know. And only the contents of these cargo base to sustain us. Very nice again. Thank you. Thank you. I want to get both of those out of the way so that I can continue <laughs> on. But this actually took that entire aspect of human evolution, because that's really what we're talking about here, and found a way to make it fresh for the Enterprise era, which is the, really the thing I think works the best in this. Absolutely. And and the whole storyline from how these the small group were raised as Soong's children all the way up through the – I don't want to give too much away because we're going to be talking about it as we go along. But what they needed to get at Cold Station 12, it really comes together in a nice way. And it also gives kind of a good conclusion as to why we don't see – a whole lot more of these genetically engineered uh, people uh, later on in Star Trek. Absolutely, it's a great three-act play. You know, it's 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 drawn out exceedingly well. There's a lot on the line here. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest development in this, as far as fandom goes, at this point, is the return of Brent Spiner to televise Star Trek. Now, TNG was still doing movies, or had just barely finished doing movies, depending on uh, uh, on the timeline here. Um, but he, Brent hadn't been in a television production of Star Trek since TNG went off the air 20 years earlier. Right. Or sorry, right. 10 years earlier. My bad. Yeah. Math is hard. It's, it's okay. But I knew, I knew what you meant. That's yeah. why I said, right. And <laughs> it was amazing to see him, um, as a different Sung. And it kind of brought a smile to my face when he comes on the screen. I think he's the 47th song that we've seen in, in Star Trek. I'm not really sure. Um, but yeah, and, and the way that they that it was a very subtle entrance. Li- I mean, literally, he's sitting in a cell. That's how yeah. that's how we get introduced to this guy. And it I gotta say, I love how the entire mini arc episode bookends itself with him sitting in a cell. Yeah. Um I re- I really think it's great. And uh it was great to see Brent. Uh, back and being able to not be an android. We've seen it a couple of times, uh, you know, of course, with Dr. Soong and then and then with younger versions of Dr. Soong and then with, uh, with um, I was going to say Lal, Lore, um, <laughs> being able to, to have emotion and stuff. But to be able to see him as, as a human was really the first, actually, wasn't this the first time that we saw him as a human without makeup? No. Because it, when he played younger Soong, he did have some makeup. Um, and of course, as old Soong, he was covered in makeup. But um, I'm trying to recall if there were other times. He didn't have he very much makeup as younger Soong. Just a Soong. little. Just a little bit, yep. Uh, hardly noticeable to the fact yeah. where I don't, I don't even think it counts. Oh, okay. All right. Um, but it was also a dream sequence. That's right. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. uh, but I, I'm concerned that all the Soongs look exactly like Brent Spiner. <laughs> um, it tells me that their family tree doesn't really branch. Which yeah. makes me wonder if somewhere in somebody's head canon are all these Soong's clones. Ah. I, it's, I've never thought of that. I've never looked at it that way. I mean, it's convenient to have Brent play all the Soong's. I get it. But um, you'd think there would be some differences because um, uh, it he's, takes two. <laughs> he's so handsome, though. <laughs> he's a handsome devil. <laughs> but how man. many Soong's are there? I mean, because we keep discovering them. <laughs> I know, and they keep showing up at all times. Picard and and spoiler alert, sorry. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I, I've seen. I think we've seen what at least four. Um, at least I'm there's thinking. Noonien. Yeah. There's Arik. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Stop now if you don't want to hear this. There's Alton Inigo Soong on Star Trek Picard. 
Yeah. So um, is there one other? I think that that might be it. It might be. Well, and data. I mean. Yeah, well, yeah. Data and lore and, and before. And, and uh, all the holodeck versions from the, from the Western episode. <laughs> I don't think that counts. <laughs> the female data at the bar. Yeah. But <laughs> it makes me wonder, are all these songs just, you know, genetically predisposed or hell bent on creating things that jeopardize humanity? <laughs> He's really smart. He needs something to do with his time. They're all really smart. They're yeah. all genius level. And that's really mm-hmm. the thing that kind of blows my mind. And I wonder if they're genetically engineered. I mean, uh, the, clearly that didn't happen in our family trees. Because um, <laughs> here we are doing a podcast. Right, but, right. And I can't talk good. <laughs> just don't I know it. Um, but it, it's interesting to me that they are all super geniuses. And, and Arik seems to be like even next level compared to Noonie. Yeah. Super genius. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Uh, you're absolutely right. Um, but I find it interesting that as much of a genius as he is, he wasn't smart enough to not get caught and was in prison. I think that's an interesting aspect of his character. Well, I think it's because he has a conscience somewhere Ex- under all that. He's yeah. not completely all bad. Um Quoting from the Memory Alpha article, it says he believed that humanity's abandonment of genetic engineering after the eugenics war was a mistake and hoped to show that genetically engineered humans would not necessarily become tyrants like Khan, Nooney, and Singh. He argued that the source of the problem wasn't, in fact, the technology, but humanity's own inability to use it wisely. I think that that's his biggest strength and ultimately his biggest weakness. I think that that's a great description because as we hear in this episode, Flox's race has genetically been has been genetically engineering for a long time. They didn't have the humanity flaws of wanting to do certain things. And and Flox actually describes it in a great scene uh, with Archer uh, in the mess hall in the second episode, I believe. Um, but yeah, it's interesting this this um, quote that you just read from from Memory Alpha because as we see in the last episode of this arc. Sung is talking about what he's doing to to make changes to the genetic engineering to correct the problems that created the Sung or the Khans rather, uh, and and Malik and and people like that, which I think shows that conscience that you were talking about a minute ago. Agreed. Um, there's some great scenes uh, or great dialogue between Flocks and Sung also. Yeah. Um, which Flocks <laughs> is no use for this guy. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And that's the thing I love about it. Billingsley and, and Spiner together are just are, are magical. But yes. meeting Arik for the first time and seeing Brent as this different soon was really kind of, uh, not really jaw-dropping, but it, it kind of made me a little misty-eyed for data in a sense. When you look at the paper everywhere, just stacks and, and volumes and practically reams of paper, and it's weird to think that every now and then... Starfleet security comes in and just takes it all out and phasers it. Yeah. Because this guy is just working on solving what he deems are problems. Um, but really, it, if interpreted differently, they could be a mad scientist's diary. Yeah, and I think that's one of the flaws of Starfleet in this episode. Of, of, although I want to, I don't know if I want to throw a spoiler alert in here right now. There's some dialogue about those reams of paper and all the work that he's done at the end of the arc. But it kind of shows that that if if that's what they're doing, they haven't learned anything about what happened with the eugenics wars. 
And you have somebody like this. He may be in prison for things that he did, but he has ideas. Why aren't they taking these ideas to people that can really interpret it? Like, oh, I don't know, flocks and see if any of his work really has merit. Well, but then it becomes, you know, a a different kind of question Mm -hmm. uh, of morality like you get in Voyager, you know, years well, before <laughs> or later, depending on how you look at it, whether it's in universe or out of universe. Right. When uh, when the doctor uses the knowledge of a Cardassian hologram yeah. to 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 affect treatment. Right. Um, is it is it the way to go? Is that research that should be done? But that's a topic for another time. Let me let me talk about one thing that you talked about a minute ago, just because yeah. I, I had thought about it, but we got we got sidetracked a little bit. I got to admit that when I was thinking about the first time I saw this, which was way back when it originally aired, I remember, I don't remember a lot about the arc. Like you said, a lot of this was new for me because it's been so many years and I'm kind of, you know, old and I forget things. Dumb. Your name right now. I don't even know who you are. Um, But um, I was not thrilled to see Brent Spiner. I do remember that. I'm like, why are they doing this? Really? it's, It's fan service. What's going on? I remember that at the beginning. And I'm pretty sure that my opinion of it changed through the episode as we found out what was really going on. But at first, I'm like, what are they doing? Are they just going to start throwing people in in the last season of Enterprise just to make people happy that it's going off – that happy so that they won't be upset that it's going off the air? That I do remember thinking that. Interesting. I didn't have yeah. that reaction. I was I was elated to see Brent, and I was happy to get him – to see him play something – you know, more than just, you know, uh, an android with, with no emotions. Mm-hmm. He got to play a character who was really devious, but still had some kind of soul right. somewhere. Right. Um, that's, I'm really fascinated that you had that reaction. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, now we've seen Brent any number of different ways. Right. And um, I have to say, it's always a joy to see him now. When I go back and I, and I watch this, I'm like, oh, it's Brent. It's like a member of the that. family coming home. Yeah, I'm definitely like that now. I absolutely loved when I rewatched this uh, just the past few days. Loved what he gave to this to this series. I think it's three of the best. It's three of the best episodes of season four, mm. uh, definitely. If not the entire series, it's a mini arc. Uh, Morehouse, our, our friend Jim Morehouse, actually tweeted out this weekend that he was watching it. I'm like, oh my god, we're talking about it this week. And he says he just likes to watch it to take his mind off of everything else that's going on in the world because it's such great Star Trek. And I, I absolutely agree. We get so many aspects, not only of, of Sung and, and Brent Spiner in this arc, but we get to see other things that we have not really seen before. Like when T'Pol and a couple other crew members are kidnapped and they're brought to this slave trading post run by the Orions. We get to see the big show as an Orion, which is kind of cool. We get to see modernized looking Orion slave women, which is, which is good. And I think we see them again later on, especially uh, the one that was, um, that was auctioned off at one point. I think she's in another episode with two other Orion slave girls, if memory serves. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that whole scene in that slave area was really great. Um, although it's always dark and dingy in these places. It's like Moss Eisley Spaceport. I don't I don't understand that. Or worse. Or worse. <laughs> yeah. Um no, I have to agree with you. And I love that whole sequence because yeah. there's a lot that goes on there. Um but I, I want to come back to a minute to to two really yeah. great actors getting to share scenes together. And they share a lot of scenes in these episodes. And of course that's not just Brent Spiner, but also Scott Bakula. Mm-hmm. The two of them are paired amazingly well. And I love the dialogue between them because Bakula is what Starfleet represents. And Soong is what 
the or technically the opposite of what Starfleet represents. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of foil or villain that I think would have served Archer very well had Enterprise continued on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would have been great to see more Soong versus Archer, or at least more consultations, almost kind of like um, Silence of the Lambs with Clarice and, um, and what's his name? Um, Hannibal Lecter. Yes. Um, I think that would have been a really fascinating aspect for those two characters. But you get Spiner and Bakula in a room, and it's going to be great. One of the things that I was thinking about after I was watching this is I was I couldn't help but but kind of compare it a little bit to the Wrath of Khan. I mean, we have augments, we have a captain yep. against a villain. What was great about this one is one of the things that we always talk about with Star Trek Two is Kirk and Khan are never face to face in the entire movie. They are only view screen yeah. or communicator. But there's a lot of real interaction between these two characters, and it really works. Having one of them on the stage is big enough, but having both of them sharing scenes together and really having great dialogue is is really something. And and I gotta say, the scoundrel part of Sung during most of this arc is really great because you can see how it's getting Archer's, under Archer's skin, but he's not letting it really show. But we as the fans and know what Archer's like can kind of see that frustration that he's dealing with. And uh, I, I think it, I think the two of them together is, is just a, is just a huge bonus for Trek fans. Oh, I, I agree entirely. Uh, we should probably mention that Borderland was written by Ken Lezebnik and directed by David Livingston. Mm-hmm. Um, Cold Station 12, the second episode, is written by Michael Bryant and directed by Mike Vehar, um, both, you know, longtime Trek participants. And um, the, the, the wrap-up episode, The Augments, written by Mike Sussman and directed by LeVar Burton. So LeVar and Brent get to work together once again in televised Star Trek, which is great. And I didn't realize that until just now. Let me tell you something about um, the third episode of this arc that I really appreciate. And I'm going to give kudos to LeVar Burton for his direction. But also, there are several scenes in this episode where I immediately thought of TOS and Space Seed because of the music that was played in certain scenes. Specifically, when Malik and and his, um, uh, I forget the girl's name, are in their quarters, and she has already let Soong escape. And he's pretending that he doesn't know who did it the music in that scene is very reminiscent of tos and and the music that we saw in space seed and i like how lavar was able to film it in ways that remind me of space seed but also have uh musical callbacks to the original series to also uh, tie them together persis which makes me think of persis Kambata, persis. who played yep. Leah in star trek the motion picture yep i love that she there's- was great I love that there's a little nod to Persis Kambata, whether it's intentional yeah. or not. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, lots to talk about with this particular episode, but uh, we're going to continue in just a moment. But first, Dan, in the words of Gene Rayburn, let's do a little business with America, shall we? <laughs> Absolutely, Bill. You know, the fall sale at Science Division, who were the creators of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your own mobile phone, by the way. it's That sale is still going on, and we want to be sure... Everybody knows about it. Uh, absolutely, Dan. This fall sale is awesome, and it, it'll make sure that you can get your interactive Tribble at the lowest price ever. For a limited time, Science Division is giving you $5 off the adoption of your Tribble, meaning you can bring your Tribble home for just 64 bucks. You know, these Tribbles are such an awesome collectible, and you really are going to love them. Uh, the interactive Tribble from Science Division has three modes, at ease when they're happy and content, 
On Duty, which is a random mix of happy and angry sounds, and Watchdog, where you can be sure that they've seen your face, buddy. There you go. I said it. Now, you don't have to use the app to enjoy your Tribble, but if you do, there's also an attack button, which make your Tribble scream on demand at friends and family. Uh, But, you know, you don't have to worry because they don't mean you any harm because you know you know why? Because triples are not dangerous, my friend. I'm going to scream at you on demand in just a second. <laughs> you can buy your triple right now at sciencediv.com. And when it arrives, you can download the Section K7 app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Give it a name and even choose what ship it's going to be assigned to. Like we said, the fall sale is going on right now at Science Division for a limited time. But because you're a Trek Geeks listener, you can save even more on your triple adoption. At checkout, use the special discount code CON, that's K-H-A-N, CON, for an additional $5 off your triple, bringing the cost down to only $59. That's right. You can get a total of $10 off between the fall sale and the Trek Geeks discount, but you have to act fast. This exclusive Trek Geeks discount code is good until Wednesday, October 28th, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. So, the story of the Augments, it really kind of fascinates me. I appreciate the way they find a way to bridge Khan, or the story of Khan, um, in the pre-TOS time, to other stories of genetically engineered humans like we've talked about later. Uh, Like Julian Bashir, like, you know, any one of a number of different things. And and I like the fact that they can reference Khan in this episode and have it be natural and not have it be way too much. It's not not, uh, fan service. It actually propels the story. It really does, and as a matter of fact, I was I was I was very interested when Malik was talking about Khan and the Botany Bay specifically. Mm. Sung tried to play it off as just being a, a legend or a, or a fable that didn't really even happen, um, and I I really liked how they did that. I couldn't help but wonder if he was just doing that to try to bring Malik down a little bit, knowing that it really was something that took place and he knew about it, or did he even believe that it was something that really never happened? I, I think he believes it's something that never happened. Hmm. I think that Interesting. you know because he knows about all these embryos, or you know he, he even raised these kids from embryos to some extent. Um, I, I think that he realizes that um, uh, that, that Malik wants something to believe in, um, and. Uh, he wants that to be him and not yeah. necessarily Khan because you know, right. we get into superior ability breeding superior ambition. There's yeah. no way this was going to work out other than Malik seizing control and wanting to be the alpha and essentially telling dad in air quotes, uh, yeah, no, I'm good here. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, um, you knew right away that he was going to be the one that was going to rise up, ends up killing his brother who looked far more um, evil just by look, yeah. the way that he carried himself. Um, and, and as the episode arcs go on, Malik just gets worse and worse with that ambition and is willing to kill anybody in his way, including Persis, who I I thought was awesome. I loved her. I thought she was great. And, okay, what is worse than being killed has to be being killed and then being forced to kiss the guy who killed you with your dying breath. <laughs> <laughs> and he's kind of your brother. 
True that. <laughs> in a way. I mean, I forgot really, about that. Yeah. He's not really, but he's kind of, you kind of raises like siblings in a way. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really weird to think about Soong raising these augment kids. It is. Because it kind of strikes me as a bit cultish. Um, and it didn't when I first watched it, but when you think about the fact that he's, he's, he's thought them out, he's raising them, he's teaching them all the ways to be good little augments. Um, it's, it's a little creepy, man. It is. It is a little bit creepy. And I also find it interesting that he still keeps a non-augmented or raises a non-augment along with the rest and then just kind of tells everybody that he died. Or or was it the augments who did it? I, I'm, I'm, it I might augments, be mixing it, it up. Yeah. The augments said that he died when he when he really didn't. I thought that was... I thought that was an interesting part to Sung's character that he raised a non-augment as if it were his own as well. Well, maybe it's about wanting something of himself, the human aspect to continue. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that that's, I mean, that's the great debate of, you know, why do people have kids? And it's because they want right. a, a part of themselves to, to carry forward to next generations. Mm-hmm. Maybe this was his way of doing that by raising a non-augmented child. Sure. Um, perhaps there's something of Arik Soong that makes it into future generations, at least as far as, as knowledge and beliefs. Maybe. I don't know. Smike. What a great name. Smike. <laughs> and then that's another example of, wh- of what Malik does. He has no problem just to, he, he says, I don't want you to suffer with all these pathogens. So, gone. Yeah. Doesn't even hesitate. Just, yeah, that superior ambition, uh, uh, really shows up well with Malik in, in really, really scary ways. I think that Malik, in his rise to power, for want of a better phrase, I have to say, I, I almost think he's more dangerous than Khan because Malik is uh, Malik has no center. You know, Khan knew what he wanted. He wanted a, a people to, 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 to govern, to have dominion over. Khan wanted to rule, to lead. Malik wants destruction. Malik wants to kill anybody that's in his path. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, it almost says that there's nothing in him that, that, that has that shred of humanity. Kind of the tiniest bit, the tiniest bit. Um, but I don't think Malik has any, an ounce of it in him. Yeah, and, and we also see Khan, yes, he wanted that world to win, uh, people to rule type thing, uh, which we saw in Space Seed, and then he, he goes to SETI Alpha uh, 5, but then in Star Trek Two, he only has one thing that he wants to do, and that's f- get revenge on Kirk. So we really see none of the wanting to rule that we know he had back in the 90s when he was w- in power and then b- with Space Seed to a point. But you're right, Malik. He wants the power, and he doesn't care who he has to kill or destroy or or what world he has to decimate in order to get what he wants. He has no he has no moral center, like you said. He has no scruples, and he he really is. Um, I think he's he's more ruthless than Khan than we ever saw Khan was. Well, Khan only ever wants revenge because his wife dies, and he mm-hmm. holds Kirk responsible. Other than that, Khan was going to tame a world. Right. If if Starfleet never and and look at it this way, if Starfleet never showed up on that planet looking mm-hmm. for some place to to use Genesis, we mean we probably never would have heard of him again. Yeah. I, I mean that. I mean you can also talk about, you know, the whole, you know, SETI Alpha 6 exploding. What would have happened if that didn't happen and he was on that planet and it was a regular planet that he could have 
found power on. That would have been an interesting story in itself, but I don't think we would have ever seen Khan if it wasn't for uh, Chekhov and and Terrell. So they're the ones that are the fault there. No, I said, <laughs> I, well, I, I blame Carol Marcus, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, that Genesis torpedo. Oof. Thanks, Carol. Nice job. Yeah. Well, at least David paid, you know, David paid for it, so. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, we, we do see Khan come back, obviously. Um, you know, spoiler alert. Um, mm. After Space Seed, you know, 15 years later, we get Wrath of Khan, which is, is fantastic. But would it have been good to be able to see Malik come back later like Khan? Either for, mm. you know, more Enterprise or maybe for a different series or who knows? I've never actually thought of that. Um, and I don't know. I think, you know, I found myself really despising the character as the arc went on just because of how malicious he was and, and how he just didn't care about any of the people that he seemed to care about. Mm. I don't know if I would want to see that again, because how much more off the rails would he have been if it was later down the road? Of course, he lost some weight with that hole in his chest. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, um, I, I really don't know, man. What about you? I'm not sure I would have wanted to see him again. I think there's a part of me that would have wanted to, um, because I think it, at least if it was a story that was as well told as this one, I, I think it, I think it could have been really good. I think that Malik was, I think Malik is super underrated as far as a villain. Mm. You know, you don't get many big bads in Star Trek Enterprise or in the, the TV shows in general. I mean, mm -hmm. you get the Borg. Okay. But they're the ultimate big bad. Right. You don't get one single character that, that could really act as a foil um, that truly ha is evil. Uh, I don't think of Q that way because Q's, Q's Goofy. Q. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there are times where he's, he's comic relief. Q -Q. But Malik, Malik could have been really a fascinating character to come back even toward the end of season four. That could have been a fantastic series finale. That, yeah, I, I do agree with that. You know what else that I find interesting when it comes to Malik is at the beginning of this arc, you don't really, or I didn't really see him as the bad guy. I thought it was Sung, especially after what yeah. he did to escape uh, um, when they were uh, at the Orion uh, Slave Center or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, but yeah, but then it was it was pretty obvious that Malik was um, was going to be the big baddie in this one. And and I will say, even though I don't know if I really would have wanted to see him again, I do agree with what you just said that it would have been a great series finale if there was some big showdown between him and Archer and the crew. I think, it, I think it would have been fantastic. One of the things that really bothers me about Starfleet in this era is that there's this idea that they have this giant cold storage of augment embryos somewhere in the middle of a lifeless rock in the middle of space. No sense. No sense whatsoever. Now, granted, it's great in the scope of this episode. There's some real great drama that happens in the episode Cold Station 12. But it tells me there's 11 other cold stations. <laughs> yeah. Or they've all been destroyed. Oh, yeah. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know if, I, I don't know how cool I am with that. I don't, uh, any time, why were they, what were they saving them for? They're not going to be doing genetic engineering, so it's not as if they would be able to do anything, even if it's reverse genetic engineering. It's pretty obvious that the Federation Starfleet wants nothing to do with it. They banned it. We see that in Deep Space Nine and, and the possible ramifications that Bashir's going to have for that. But it's just, unless they've got Ted Williams' frozen head there along with it, um, so that he can come back and play some good baseball, I really don't have any idea why they would have thir what was it thirteen hundred embryos that were just stored on on Cold Station mm. Twelve? What's why? 
what is the, the, no sense at all like we said that just doesn't make except to cause a problem uh that could possibly wipe out humanity like we saw well, or you know this begs the question were they really doing genetic enhancement was there an element of starfleet um, be it Starfleet or Section 31 or some other aspect that actually was doing it and the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. I think that would have been a fascinating thread to pull on. That's a very good point because as we saw, Flox's uh, friend, Dr. Jeremy Lucas, was at Cold Station 12 and they used to communicate all the time. But then at one point, Lucas told Flox that he was going to be not able to communicate with him for a while because he was going here, which makes it very secretive. So was he in on doing some things that were maybe section 31 ish when you think about it? Possibly. I have to believe that, that that's at least remotely true. Um, because I, I don't get why we would need these facilities. Otherwise, why wouldn't they just be at a Starfleet research facility on earth or any one of the Federation worlds? Mm-hmm. Why did they have to be that segregated? Well, we know why, because superior ambition <laughs> is right. the result of what happens yep. with these, with these embryos once they turn into to people. Um, it's, it's something that's always given me pause about this particular storyline. And it's something, it's the only thing I wish they would have expounded on even more. Um, which which leads me to this question. This is a three-part story. Could it or should it have been more parts or, or less? What do you think? Um, that's a good point. Uh, that's a good question. I, th- I think that what they did with this three parts worked really well. And I'm, I, I definitely don't think it should have been less. I think, I think three was great. They probably could have expanded the story a little bit more if they wanted to and make it a fourth uh, a four-part mini arc, but then you're going to start running into the possibility is it going to be too big, like the Zindi arc was. Now, of course, the Zindi arc was all season. Mm-hmm. I think the three was good. If I remember correctly, wasn't Vulcan's Forge three as well? I believe so. And you had the Circle and DS9. Those three three episode arcs, I think, work really well in the Star Trek universe, personally. <laughs> Jim Morehouse is screaming at his speaker right now. Of course it was three episodes. I was in one of them. <laughs> you know why I say that? Because I only remember that one, oh, Jim. Why are you oh, kissing his Such butt? a big load of pile steaming turkey dump. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think I, I liked the three parts. I, I would have liked to have seen more about Cold Station 12. It would have been nice if we had seen it before this or had some kind of information about it before this so that I didn't have this lingering question of why the hell do we need Cold Station 12 in the first place? Right. And what do the other 11 do? Exactly. Um, uh, I, I think three parts was just about right. I think that the action and the, and the character development was well served by three parts. Um, yeah. I, I, I look at this as probably, for me, my favorite mini arc of Enterprise. Oh, I think so. I think so too. I like, I actually like this better than the uh, mirror universe two-parter. Yeah. Um, and, and I gotta say, I like how they, how they ended episode two, Cold Station 12, which I don't know why, but it always kind of reminds me of like the the giant cooler that people would reach into to get a Coors Light in those commercials where they need to get something really cold. <laughs> I don't know why, but that just pops into my head from time to time. But I like how this one ended kind of on a cliffhanger. They only have a couple of minutes before all the pathogen is released um, and Archer's in that tube. And then the way that he resolves it by having Enterprise blow the top of that tube off and he gets 
blown out into space. I almost said sucked out like Data did uh, in TNG. And he's got the cold, and his eyes are all gross later from all from the decompression and the and the and the vacuum of space. I really liked how they did that. Wouldn't this have been a great movie? Absolutely. Can you imagine a big screen treatment of this arc yep. of episodes? Because it would have fit the runtime of a movie perfectly. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of action here. There's a lot of great, you know, uh, developments here. There's a lot of intrigue. This would have been a fantastic film. It would have been great because you think of the budget that they'd be able to use for special effects. And that's after saying the special effects in these three episodes was great. We got to see some angles, camera angles of starships in space that we never really saw before. We got to see uh, the the, uh, Klingon bird of prey um, drop the escape pod. And then it continues off in in its rainbow warp that Klingon ships have all the time, which is kind of cool. I think it would have been a great movie. Although it still would have been the shortest um, guest appearance by J.G. Hertzler in Star Trek history. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He's only in the teaser, right? Uh, yeah, he's only just, like, just past it. Yeah. Yeah. For like, th- he's like, I think he has like less than a minute screen time. <laughs> I, I think it's, uh, I think it's hilarious. Um, it, it's good to see him. I mean, you it love is. hearing that voice. You love seeing him in the Klingon oh, yeah. makeup. You love seeing him command a bird of prey. Because the next time we see him, he's a lawyer. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, right. And not a, and and kind of like a washed up one at that. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of like a washed up podcaster like you. Um yeah. <laughs> Wow. Touche. A touche. Yeah, yeah. Um would this have been or, or should Enterprise have revolved around mini arcs from the very beginning? And I ask this because obviously Enterprise the only one of the Berman era that didn't run 7 seasons. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that would have been fresh enough? for the viewing public's public so that it might have seen more seasons. In hindsight, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we saw how successful and we see how successful uh they were. Um and these mini arcs were in all of the other series which makes which makes you really scratch your head why they didn't do it with Enterprise because the other ones had were successful with the mini arcs that they had uh, on their series. Well, but they're really um, even if they're only many... two parters, you know, you have the circle which we talked about. I'm thinking more two parters, I guess, but but yeah, um I really think based on on what we saw especially with this one and the Vulcan's Forge uh three-parter Jim, um that it, it definitely would have made sense to do it and does that mean that what would happen if they made the Zindi arc a mini arc? Instead of the whole season, because I've always believed that season three was what caused the cancellation of the show. The yeah, Zindi no, arc. I agree with that. Um, so it would have been interesting to see what would have happened. I like the Zindi arc overall. Mm-hmm. I think it was far too drawn out. It would have been a great half season. Yeah, it was far too drawn out and it was much too complicated. Um, yeah. They're the Zindi, but there's what, eight different species and they all have different ideas and what they want. It just, uh, I, I, yeah. When you couple that with the fact that in many markets, there wasn't consisting airing of the show on UPN. Yeah. So, you know, you could go a couple of weeks without seeing an episode and then pick it up um, uh, with a different episode out of order because the last one was shown Sunday night at 3 a.m. Because that's when they found time to play it around live sports. Mm -hmm. So I I think that, you know, maybe a half season arc or maybe a series of mini arcs would have been really great to propel that story forward. But yeah, I, I do think it was a definite misstep the whole yep, season. Three. I agree. Absolutely. I um I, I love what this mini arc of the augments does in the scope of Enterprise. I love what it does to the texture of the Soong family. Mm-hmm. Because when we meet, again, spoiler alert, pause right now if you don't want to hear this about Picard. 
when we meet Alton Inigo Soong in Picard, you wonder which kind of Soong is he? Is right. he mad evil genius? Is he guy with soul? You really don't get that sense. But um, now I'm going to wonder every time I see somebody named Soong, what is this guy's major flaw? As well, I think you should. Yeah. Uh, if we do see more songs, I will say one thing that I really liked about how this episode wrapped up. We talked about it at the beginning that at the end of the episode, it bookends with the beginning of the the first episode, and that he's back in prison. And he, I love the tease that they give at the end of this. He's like, "Hmm, maybe I shouldn't be looking at genetic engineering. Maybe I should be looking at cybernetics and artificial life." And he gets sits down and he starts writing and he has little data quirks to his head as he starts writing with a little twinkle in his eye and a smile on his face. I thought that was a brilliant way, especially when he says, might not be something that happens at first. It might take a generation or two to perfect. I mean, that was, that was a better um, uh, hint at what we know is to come than when the Borg sent the signal to the uh, to the Delta Quadrant at the end of the uh, Borg episode on Enterprise. Yeah. Regeneration. I, I think that, you know, I get weary of the complaint of fan service or retcon because the Star Trek universe is big enough and is a wide enough canvas to paint whatever you want on it. Mm-hmm. And this is a great example of it done right. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, Soong just, uh, uh, sorry, Arik Soong just doesn't go off and, and keep doing genetic enhancements. He says to himself, Eh, maybe this isn't the way to go and plants the seed that's going to get picked up uh, 200 years later. Yeah, that's about right. Yep. Pretty close to it. Yep. And I think that that is, that is world and universe building done spot on. And that's exactly. the thing I love about it. Absolutely, which is when we always give credit to the writers where it's due and, and to be able to do that. And and yeah, it's retcon, but like you said, it's retcon in the right way. They did it all correctly with this one. I don't know of anything in this three-part arc that I think about that deals with, with the history of Star Trek, whether it's retcon or other forms of what we know about it, that's done incorrectly. I mean, we always point out stuff that, nope, that's not wrong, or this didn't happen in this episode, blah, blah, blah. This one is done really well and meticulously because I think the content being genetically engineered people in Khan is so important to Star Trek fans, so I'm glad they got it right. There are aspects of Enterprise where the retcon is a little Mm -hmm. ham-handed. You get kind of beat over the head with it. Um, Maybe they should establish some kind of, of prime directive. (laughs) <laughs> um, like in Dear Doctor, some kind of rule that says yeah. what we can and can't do. That's a little bit of a bonk-bonk on the head. Yeah. This one is really subtle and sublime and, and just signals what's going to happen later, which is why I think it's so masterfully done. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts on the Augments arc or anything you want to call out remaining in any of these episodes? Uh, if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in 15 years like me, mm. Take the three hours and sit down and watch it because you're really going to enjoy it. There's some great, great parts to it. There's there's still that that awkwardness with Trip and T'Pol because of the whole T'Pol getting married thing. But you know that's you know why would that be awkward uh, when you when you love someone? Um, but uh, I think there's a lot. Um, there's I will say if there's anything to not really praise about this arc is that the support cast really doesn't have a whole lot to do in this. You don't see a lot of Sato. You, you, she's there, and she has a few lines. Um, you don't see a lot of the people that you normally would see. It's mostly it's mostly um, Archer and Sung, a little bit of Trip, a little bit of T'Pol. 
and flocks. Other than that, none of the crew really have much to do in this episode. Well, it's really reminiscent of TOS in that sense, quite frankly. That's true. Yep. You know, more retcon. And really, you don't even need three hours. You need two and a quarter because it's four, three forty-five minute episodes. Yep. It's the runtime of a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so pop yourself some some corn, uh, pour a nice drink, and, and settle in because it's a great one. Um, Danny, you know what else is great? I have a feeling. I bet you do. It's our friends, the band Five Year Mission. <laughs> Every ounce of po- music you hear on this particular podcast, and their own, by the way, they use their music for their own podcast. Oddly enough, name Five Year Mission the podcast. Get out. I know. No, no, get out. Oh, all right, I'm out of here. I said um, that before. I'm but, old. Uh, I, yes, you're old. <laughs> but we want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Get all their CDs because uh, seriously, you're going to become huge fans of this band. They don't do parody songs. They do songs that make you look at these Star Trek episodes in completely different ways and makes you want to go back and rewatch Star Trek. And that's a win-win situation for everybody, Dan. So fiveyearmission.net, go get those discs. Get them all. Year one, two, three, four. Trouble with Tribble, Spock's Brain, and maybe episode five coming out at some point. Or year five, even. Year five. We'll keep you posted on that. But, you know, as I do every week, it's that time, Bill. I'm excited. I know you're excited. Um, I gotta. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be out a little bit in left field on this one, buddy. I'm not gonna lie. There's that, a shock. That really has never stopped me, has it? No. Um, you know, Star Trek Three is not your favorite movie. No. You've you've always said so, especially when it comes to the main villain in air quotes, Commander Krug. I love him though, and I remember when I realized who he was. He was Reverend Jim on Taxi. Right? He was the, the, it's just amazing. The wonderful Christopher Lloyd, also known for his amazing portrayal of Doc Emmett Brown in Back to the Future, I might add. You remember those movies, right, Bill? I know you like the second one, especially. You know, he and his young friend Marty have to travel back in time and then forward in time and then back in time again to set everything right after a cantankerous old drum player changes history so his band can become the best of all time. I'm sure you remember that. Time travel. That's the important thing. It may not have been possible without the greatest invention of Doc Brown's career, the Farks capacitor. Yeah, I said it. Flag on the play. Well, no, you no. know, it's, it's kind of like a six no. degrees of Star Trek, Kevin Bacon thing. No, no. This is a Star Trek <laughs> podcast, not a crappy time travel movie podcast. Starring a great Star Trek character, though. No. Even though he wasn't that character. He was an actor playing a different character. No. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> you're supposed to watch Star Trek episodes for this show. I did. Not back, no, not Back to the Future. Well, the Back to the Future was all in my memory because I've seen it so many times. But Commander Krug is, is, is a, is a, is a, is, a, is, con- is one of the pillars of Star Trek villains. A pillar? And, uh, That's a heavy stretch. <laughs> well, come well, on, he became, for the power of Genesis. He became a pillar when he fell into the lava and was, anyway. Um, but it just made me think. And see, that's what Star Trek does. It makes you think about all the other great things that people have been in. And I'm like, oh, he was in Back to the Future. Fark's capacitor. That's going to work. I'm using it this week. I've used other non-Star Trek things in the past. I've used Disney before. It happens. It's okay. Once if, in a while. Once every three years, I'm going to go with it. Uh, if you're going to use a non-Star Trek <laughs> Farkism, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna call a penalty. Uh, what's gonna, okay? What what am I going to get penalized, Bill? Uh, next week I get to write the Farkism. All right, I've never used a non-Star Trek okay. one again. <laughs> okay. So uh, two can play at this game. So uh, see, with the Fark's capacitor, you don't have to get up to eighty-eight miles an hour. You only have to go forty-seven miles an hour. That is so lame. Just shut up. Sorry. 
Uh, fiveyearmission.net. Um, this is a Star Trek podcast, believe it or not. Um, go get all their discs. I'm begging you. I'm begging you to shut Dan up for no other reason. Don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to Patreon, where you can get all kinds of special exclusive perks. And Dan, we've been putting a lot of these together this week to send to our patrons. Mm-hmm. There's, let's see, there's laptop stickers. There's the uh, the 2020 Annual Supporters T-shirt, which looks amazing. And our unparalleled Annual Supporters pin, which we produce with our friends at Fansets every single year, buddy. They look amazing. I've been packing them all. My my studio is a mess because I got shirts and pins and badges all over the place. So it's pretty awesome stuff. But right now, I want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are just so grateful for their support. And they are Dave Andrews, Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Dra- Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brooke Horton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Mollenkoff, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Trey Womack, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. You sound like you need oxygen. <laughs> That's a lot of names. <laughs> Kill Spock? <laughs> it's not what we're looking for, is it? Very well done. <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are Mike Bobia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Rachel Delaney, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lanell Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashion. How come you didn't need to take a breath? I am better at breathing, but oh. I'm better at life. Well, so better at breathing. I guess. Yeah. Anyway, you too can become a producer of the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash Trek Geeks for all the details. Dan, next week, I know that Halloween is one of your favorite holidays. So next week, it's time for a little bit of spookiness <laughs> as we continue our celebration of Voyager 25. Yeah, you are absolutely correct, man. I love Halloween. And what better way to spend the week before Halloween than getting together and talking with you? I mean, that is scary. Seriously, though, yeah, we're going to continue our year-long celebration of Voyager 25 with a deep dive into The Haunting of Deck 12 next week on the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. <laughs> For more great Star Trek discussion, please, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. In addition to Rewind, Polytrex, and even Five-Year Mission, you can hear the brand new Deep Space Pride with Mike Thurlow and Johnson Lee, as well as Infinite Trek with Andy Har- Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackal. I'm reading ahead in my copy. I'm really sorry That's about that. That's what happens to me. I know. <laughs> Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala. You can find all of our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 236 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconut Marty! That's, I, I thought you were going to do I've Come a Long Way for the Power of Coconut, but you've done that before. I have. I remember yes, that. Yes, that's why I didn't do it. <laughs> I wish you'd go a long way for the Power of Coconut. Just wow. get out of here. Bye. Go. Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. 
Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Bing bong, Dan. Bing bong, sign for the outtake. So the last couple of times you and I have been recording, hmm. my dog has been a belly whore. Belly whore. And you can probably see it in the bottom corner. She just had her paw up and she just put her head down. As soon as I clicked the record button, the paw went up like, rub my belly. What's going on? You can't be doing anything. I'm here now. Yeah. 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 It's it's like she knows that I'm on some kind of online meeting system. Yeah. See, my mine are just mine have been in here. See now, a little story. We moved things around up in the loft in the upstairs of our house. So where I used to be at work, my work section over in the loft hmm. is now where Sue is because okay. I've moved everything into the podcast studio. I got a nice setup. I got I'm getting things cleaned up. I'm going to have dual monitors here pretty soon. But my work one is right here to my right. Right. So now that we're upstairs all the time. Puppies are on the bed here behind me most of the time. Why wouldn't they Loving be? I mean, it. it's got to be dangerous to have that bed there because you might want to stretch out and take a nap every now and then. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> we got patches from the Discovery premiere in the oh mail from CBS. And I was really stunned by this. I was not mm-hmm. expecting it. They've never done a, an after premiere gift. But... Um, I'm going to take the opportunity to take a shot at Axonar with these. Uh-huh. Um, Absolutely. These patches didn't sit on a desk in a warehouse in Valencia, California for two years. Right. And these ones don't smell like urine because I don't feel inclined to pee on them. <laughs> well, think about it. The premiere was last Wednesday? Last week. Yeah, last, last Wednesday. Wednesday was the premiere event. And we got those yesterday, which was Monday. Yeah. Yeah, that's called service. That's called someone who knows what they're doing. That's called someone who's not a shh. Yeah. Bleak and this bag. Di- this discovery <laughs> patch is about six inches tall, which it's is amazing. Huge. It yeah. looks like a church window. It really does. It's it does. almost as big as my head. Well, let's not go that far. As big as my face. Oh, that's perfect right there. Keep it right there the whole rest of the recording. Shut dude. up. <laughs> But uh, they're, they they have adhesive backings. They're kind of cool. Yeah. There's yeah. A, a new Starfleet emblem one, which is kind of neat, If that's yeah. the, since that's the new emblem. Mm-hmm. The new UFP, which is good. I don't know why right I'm showing nice. these to you. Nobody can I, see them. But I got yeah. them right here, actually. And a really nice um, church window-shaped USS uh, Discovery patch. I'll tell you, it makes me want to go buy like a leather bomber's jacket. Uh, I think Brian from treknews.net said that that's what he was going to go do. Go get a new like jean jacket or something like that to put some patches on. Yeah, but you've got to have a mullet wig to go with it if you're going to wear a jean jacket. Uh, well, that's not happening then. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing that I appreciate the most about the Augments arc 
is oh. that it brought mullets back from TNG. It sure did. All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> and, and we'll get into the discussion, but I got to give huge thumbs up, and I'll do it right now, to people like Heather and the other people that would do the Augments cosplay in STLV. I never, I haven't seen this since it originally aired. So yeah. now I can really appreciate how awesome those costumes were because they were fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and what a great little story arc, but we'll get into that in the episode. Right. But Don't give it away. Um. No, we, dude, this show is free. It's a, and it's at the end, this part, anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. They all died. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler alert. Sorry. Jerk. <laughs> wow, I, I hate you so much. Well, it's at the end, right? Okay. 2004, if you haven't seen it yet, it's not a spoiler. It is to somebody. Not anybody. I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um i was looking at the calendar today and i realized mm. that uh this coming sunday would have been trek geeks live the rescheduled date oh. in concord and i got a little crestfallen i'm not gonna lie i'm like that's oh. see i I'm, i know it's we're sort of along the same page i'm a little i'm a little closer to it my anniversary and Sue's birthday is the day before, so I got oh, that right. to keep me looking positive. That's right. So, so yeah. So we'll, well be, and uh, I just had my anniversary. Yeah, uh, and happy anniversary to you. Thank both. you. Thank yeah, you. I saw your wife last night, and she was actually right next to me and at the gym in her own little little workout area, and I was uh, right next to her. And for once, you didn't try to run her over. I know. I yeah, that was kind of funny because what was <laughs> happening that day. This is a funny story because we'll tell it. I almost ran Bill's wife over at the gym last week. Yeah. As I started to pull out, there were people right next to the passenger side door so i was looking in that side mirror to make sure that i wasn't gonna like bump them as i drove off and then when i looked up kelly was right there going what see see now you don't have to bleep it out <laughs> um yeah yeah i can't wait to play this part for I was, I was like hi sorry <laughs> yeah she comes home and says so you should ask dan why he tried to kill me tonight <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of that was sad but funny at the same time. Oh, ladybug! This ladybug over there. <laughs> you have adult onset ADD or something? Yeah, that was really funny. Oh, ladybug! <laughs> Jesus, it's right there. They bite. I saw an eagle. <laughs> exactly, a little tiny version of one. Anyway, <laughs> wait, a ladybug is a tiny eagle? <laughs> well, Do you? Are you? Are you drunk? <laughs> no, no, no. Do you always work drunk, or is it just today? This is not, not answering. Not answering. Oh, that's uh, that's the best thing you could. But have I got done, my Bluetooth Senator. headset, so I can like move around the room now. Oh, you idiot! I know. It's when I was, People haven't heard tethered. this story yet either. I don't think they have. No, I I've been using this headset for a long time, like and four years. Uh, a, yeah, a while, yeah. and. Um, I've always plugged it into the jack port of my laptop, and it's not a long cord, so I don't have a lot of mobility. And just three days ago, I realized that it was a Bluetooth headset and that I didn't have to have it plugged in. <laughs> You're a jack port. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh, God, this is fun. I'm glad, uh, that, uh, I'm glad that we don't have any fun on the show. <laughs> oh, I know, right? This is the most fun I have in a given week now. Uh, I've hit the point where I'm weary. Uh. You know, and it's fairly consistent because yeah. I'm at the house literally all day, every day, with the exception of when I make a Dunkin' Donuts run to get coffee. Yeah. Um, I'm not going out because yeah. I know which health and, risks I have to be concerned about. Yep. And it's surging. 
and it's and it's surging. Yeah. Um. So uh, after seven months, I'm like, we're. I had this this discussion with my wife this morning. We are really no more improved than we were back in March. Absolutely not. I totally agree with that. It's like been seven months of the same. Yep. Um, but I, I have to keep reminding myself that the reason why I'm doing this is one, so that I don't get sick. Two, my wife doesn't get sick. Yep. And three, somebody else doesn't get sick in case I'm asymptomatic. Exactly. Which could do them more harm than see, than my see just being how, sick. See, that's not really hard. Why can't other people do that? Why can't any of these jackwads that are going out without masks and stuff do that? It's I, so frustrating to see it every single night on the news. They said, the, I just was listening today when I was in the car, I had to run an errand. They're, they're thinking that there's going to be seventy five to 80,000 infections a day starting in a couple of weeks. It has not I, been that high yet during the entire pandemic. Yeah. I believe it. Because people are stupid. I think uh, we're going to start using jackports as our new word. Jackport? Yeah. Instead of, you used jackwad just a second ago. I just did, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jackport could be the official uh, insult of the Trek Geeks podcast. Hashtag. Hashtag Write that down. Jack. You're going to forget it anyway. I mean, let's Uh, Or I'll say it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Good God. Hadiniac. See, yeah, now you got never, it. it didn't I, matter. I, no, when it doesn't matter. And and before we recorded it, it was fine. But of course, when that big red siren is circling above the door that says recording in progress, then I'm just completely screwed. There is no big red siren above it's your a, door. You face a, a window, you moron. It's a, it's a, it's a play on words. It's don't. figurative. Recording on my screen is in red right now. And yeah, that's but ner- it's like, me it's like a half an inch high. It's not above your door. It's like your IQ. Anyway, um, I love I how you always to... try to turn this back on me and insult <laughs> just, me when you're the one who's an idiot. It's so easy because I know I'm an idiot and I just want everyone to know that you are too. Oh, <laughs> I, they, they are acutely aware of my sheer idiocy. <laughs> you don't need to put it on display. <laughs> yeah, I, I do fine <laughs> all by myself. You you do. I shouldn't really have to butt, butt that up at all. Hey, did you get a package from Mike Bovia yet? I did. I haven't opened it yet. Okay. Because I'm going to talk about mine. Yeah, no, you go right ahead. We typically yeah. wait three days before oh, we open stuff. Good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, um, and I started doing that after we had our conversation with Sid several yeah. months back. Yep. That's a that's a great idea, actually. So, um, but no, you absolutely go right ahead because you absolutely should tell the story. I got to tell you, I, I have never been more, I don't think I've ever been more moved by a gift by someone. Of course, Mike Bovia and his wonderful daughter, Emily, of course, run Legacy Trek. Uh, they do a great job over there. Um, and Mike has a, a hobby of framing things and he's got, he's posted some great things on Twitter of, of autograph pictures of any a number of Star Trek people and trading cards and this, that, and the other thing. And totally out of the blue, he messaged us both saying that there were packages that were going to arrive. And I got mine on Saturday, Saturday, and I was completely floored. What this is, it's an eight by 10, uh, framed uh, in a, a red mat and there are three three things that are framed one of them is a trading card from the gamesters of triskelion which has a picture of kirk and the providers a picture of galt and a picture of kirk and shauna awesome next to that is the largest of the three pictures which is a picture of me when we were at Treconderoga and I was in my Galt cosplay standing or sitting on the captain sitting in the captain's chair on the enterprise bridge and it's got the special effect of my eyes being activated with the collar. It, and I, I was like, wow. And next to that dude is a, an official 
trading card of Galt signed by Joseph Ruskin. It is just amazing, and I cannot tell you how much I love this. It it it, it goes. It, it's I couldn't believe it. I absolutely could not believe it. Sorry about that. I had a plane flying overhead. Oh, that's really okay. Loud. I could have talked about it forever. <laughs> um, what what an amazingly thoughtful and wonderful gift that is! Amazing. You sent it to me, and my jaw just hit the floor. Yeah. Um, sent me the photo, and it just it is so so nice and thoughtful of Emily to do that. Yeah, it is. It is going. <laughs> it is going right up on my wall next to the podcast studio, so that I can always see it. And and I cannot thank either of them enough. And I'm not going to say the other thing that we got because you haven't opened yours yet, and it's it's related to both of us. So, so there you go. Oh, so you already know what it is? Yeah, I do. Well, fine. Be that way, Because <laughs> they like me more. And I'm stupid and open things and get the COVID, but they probably don't have COVID because they're smart. But who knows about the delivery people? So, anyway. You look like hell, by the way. Have I mentioned that? Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I haven't shaved, and I usually shave every day, but I haven't shaved recently, so. I don't think the shaving has anything to do with it. You just have looked like hell as long as I've known you. You ready to do this, jerk? Yeah, I'm going to let the dogs out first. Who let the dogs out? Woof, woof. Come on, doggies. <laughs> I'm amazed. The amazed he didn't Get think out. that the cord was still connected. I know. I- <laughs> the best part, I forgot you could hear me. Yeah, that's right. See, that's even better. <laughs> I should have said all kinds of things. I just heard you laughing. All right. I would have heard him. Shut your mouth and read.